Are you concerned about the air that you're breathing, especially with increasing air pollution? We all know how vital indoor air quality is, and here's where Puro Air steps in to make the difference. Did you know that indoor air can be up to 100 times, 100 times dirtier than the air outside? That's where Puro Air comes to the rescue. In just 30 minutes, this revolutionary device can transform the air in your room by removing allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases. But what sets Puro Air apart is its cutting-edge HEPA-14 filter, a powerhouse that tackles pollutants at a microscopic level. And it's not just me saying that, Puro Air is backed by scientists from both Harvard and MIT. I personally loved having a Puro Air purifier. I feel like I can breathe again, especially after battling congestion for like the last month. Winter can be tough, but within an hour, it was crazy. I could feel my sinuses beginning to open up. I slept through the night without coughing, and I've been sleeping so much better now that we have a Puro Air running in our bedroom. So check it out at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time, getpuroair.com. No more stressful trips to the fitting room under fluorescent lights. With Armoire, you get to wear quality pieces without the hassle of adding to your wardrobe or paying designer prices. I'll say, as a busy mom of three, I know the importance of treating myself to something special. And Armoire allows me to prioritize quality over quantity in my wardrobe. Plus, Armoire is woman-founded and woman-led, so you can feel good about supporting a business that empowers women. If you're ready to have your dream closet delivered to your door, try Armoire today. You'll never have to worry about finding the perfect outfit for any occasion again. If you're curious for some of the looks that I've chosen, check out my collaboration highlight on Instagram for a few of my favorite armoire looks. Looks that you can grab too. So right now my listeners can give armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style/slash minimalist. That is armoire.style. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash minimalist to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. I don't know about you, but I have big plans when it comes to starting a garden with my children. However, the process seems slightly daunting, so I decided to bring you along for the conversation I had with homesteader Stephanie Leaf as she answered my questions such as, as she answered my questions such as, how do I cultivate my children's interest in gardening? And what are some good activities to increase my child's hands-on involvement in the garden? And lastly, what are some good ways to encourage my child to feel ownership of the garden? Again, maybe I'm just overcomplicating this, but I couldn't wait to get some answers. Stephanie has been writing about gardening, food preservation, and from scratch cooking over on her blog, Winging It on the Homestead, and has recently started a podcast where she shares about similar topics. This conversation was incredibly helpful to me, so I hope you enjoy it as well. But before we get to the conversation, I wanted to ask how you've been enjoying my new book, Minimalist Moms, Living and Parenting with Simplicity. If you're one of the readers that's enjoyed it, I'd love for you to mention it or pass along your copy to a friend who could benefit from it in the upcoming school year. But before I start talking about school, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. We still have about a month and a half before we start diving into that topic. There was only one other thing that I wanted to share with you guys before we got to the conversation, and that was this. And this is in full transparency. I wasn't sure if I wanted to share this, but I think it it shows that 
Even I, as a proclaimed minimalist, I wrote a book about minimalism, still encounter moments with my own family members that can be really tricky to navigate. I wanted to share with you that it was my son's birthday over the weekend. We were really excited to celebrate him turning four, but I want to go back to that celebration with my husband's family. Again, I think this can get really tricky when it comes to talking about in-laws, but I did want to mention something to you guys that happened here. My husband's family has a tradition of gifting a little something, and, and the gift is referred to as a little something to all the siblings that aren't having their birthday. I was hoping this year would be different because I don't remember it happening last year. Maybe looking back, it was just a COVID oversight or something. But this year, as Martin was opening his presents, my other two kids were given separate gifts. I'll be honest, it really does bother me. Not just because I don't want extra things in my home, but I don't necessarily want to create maybe an entitlement on that day. I want the birthday to be about celebrating the child whose birthday it is. And I think when we start giving gifts to everyone, it does take away from that person. And maybe this sounds extreme to some of you, but I do find it to be a really tricky thing to navigate, especially because they aren't my family members. So I wanted just to revert back to something that I said in my book in regards to receiving an item that you simply don't want or need. I think that just first and foremost, as a recipient, no matter how ridiculous the gift may be or the circumstances it may be, it's our job to accept it graciously. And I have to recognize that the gift giver has no negative intent. It's all in celebration and love and care for my other children. And I have to remember that they're not necessarily going against my wishes. They do just express love differently than me. All of that to say, after we accept graciously, it's up to our family to decide what to do with those items moving forward. You are the one in charge of what stays in your home, what's donated, what's recycled, what's put in the trash. That's up to you and your spouse, you and your children. So just call this a little encouragement, I guess. All right, I think that's it for now. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Stephanie Leaf. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. Thank you so much for having me. We tried to get together last year and it didn't happen in the chaos that was 2020, but I'm actually, I'm really excited to talk about our topic today. And that is gardening with children, getting our children invested in the idea of gardening together. So I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this, but before we get into that conversation, I'll allow you to introduce yourself to the listeners. Okay, great. So uh, my name is Stephanie Leaf and I am a mother of three kids now all under the age of five. And I have a blog titled winging it on the homestead where I help other mothers incorporate simple living into their busy modern lives. So some of those things are like gardening, food preservation, toxic free living, like making your own products and personal and cleaning products, old fashioned self-sufficiency skills, cooking from scratch, those kinds of things. All things that I'm passionate about encouraging others to really boost their confidence and their self-reliance no matter where they are so that they can decrease their reliance on um, stores and commercial brands and all those kinds of things. Absolutely. And your blog is really great. I had the opportunity to look through it and I feel like you have such great advice and honestly, kind of taking things back to basics, stepping away from having to be so dependent on corporations, I guess. I really like that about your blog. Thank you. That's one of the things that I think is really important, just getting people more confidence in their own abilities, you know? Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about you Mm -hmm. and maybe your passion for gardening, but how 
I guess if you're passionate about something, it's going to trickle down into the way that you parent your children. But how do I cultivate that in my own children first and foremost? And then we'll, we'll kind of go from there. Right. So if you're not already a gardener, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I would really dive into it as a way of learning with your kids alongside your kids, you know, and, and looking at it as a way to learn as a family. Uh, and the thing with gardening is um, now I was doing gardening for several years before my firstborn. And the thing that I love about gardening is it's really something for everyone to do. And I can talk about that in a little bit, but really getting them involved and interesting in, in gardening is I believe one of the first steps is starting way back at the beginning. So when you're planning the garden, so really incorporating them in the whole entire process, planning, choosing vegetables that you're going to plant, taking them to the plant nursery and picking out plants, like what they like to eat, that really gets them excited. And then um, incorporating them in every step of the way. So from the planting, to the maintenance, to the caring, to the harvesting, preparing the, the fruits and vegetables, and then actually eating them, that gets them excited from start to finish. And the thing with gardening is it's a long process, right? So from the time that you're putting it into the ground to the time that you're actually going to eat it, it could be several months for something. So I really love it. It teaches them some patience, but it's also gratifying because you see the progress along the way. So getting them out and looking at the garden, observing the garden, explaining to them at, you know, how the plants grow and all those things really helps them cultivate that interest. Not only that, but I'm still learning tons of things in the garden. This year, my peppers are doing awful. So I don't know what I did. I'm going to have to go back and look at that. But other years have had success. So also not taking it so seriously that you're allowing your kids to learn with you and to practice things and to, you know, learn from your mistakes and to, to problem solve. And there's so many, so many amazing skills that can be learned from gardening. Have you always had interest in gardening? So no, I did not have a garden growing up. And when my husband and I bought our property, we have about two acres. So my mom and I were like, oh, we should have a garden. We never had one, you know, as we grew up because we just didn't really have the space. So we kind of, as we tend to do everything, we just kind of dive right in. And, you know, the first year we had some successes, lots of failures, but from there, we had about a good three or four years before we had our first son. And then it was maybe another year before he could actually even get out in the garden with us. So by that point, I had a couple, you know, a couple years under my belt. So getting him involved, or at least maybe not even involved, but alongside with me is something that, you know, started with him. Now he loves being out there. He helps me water. I mean, he's four, almost five. So he's all about it now. And I think that's just from getting him out and exposed to it from such an early age. I wouldn't say I have a green thumb. I feel Mm -hmm. like I kill everything that I bring into my home plant wise. So it feels daunting, but also I think getting the right space in the yard to where you have enough sunlight, or maybe you have too much sunlight. I think navigating all of that can be difficult and tricky. So do you have any just tips off the bat with questions like that? I guess it's just a lot of research and trial and error, like you said. Right. It is a lot of research, but there's a couple of decisions that you need to make when you're first deciding to do a garden and that's, Mm -hmm. you know, your location. But before even that, you want to decide how you're going to do your garden. So you can do raised beds. There's so many options, raised beds, Mm -hmm. container gardens, garden plots. So even if you're not sold on a certain area, doing containers, doing some lightweight beds or something where you can easily move them around depending on sunlight makes it a little bit less daunting because you don't have to make those permanent decisions right off the bat. So there's definitely things that you can do to make the decision to just jump right in a higher possibility. 
I have such big plans of gardening and we've been here now for, this is our second summer. And last year I felt like it would have been the perfect time with COVID. We were home anyways. So it would have been a perfect time to get that done, but it just seems really overwhelming again with the baby. But it sounds like you have three under five. So what age do you start throwing your kids yeah. out there? Or when do you invite them in? Right. So I have, um, right now I have a four, almost five, a three and a half year old, and she'll be one later this week. So I bring the pack and play out. I bring the play yard out. I make sure that if you can have your garden fenced in, not only does Mm -hmm. that help pests not get in, but it helps the kids not get out. So you can contain them. That's really important because that early on was a big headache, I guess, was Mm -hmm. they run off keeping them corralled. That way also, if you're in the garden and you can have them fenced in or even just barriered in, in some Mm -hmm. fashion, uh, you can give them dirt to play with. You can give them water to play with. You can have stones, like give them busy work, but getting them involved and out in the, in the area that you're gardening is just getting them exposed to things. Plus it's so many great learning tactile things that they're getting involved in and exposed to. So putting a little bit of forethought into containing them into where mm-hmm. you want to garden um, is really important. No, that's great. I'm glad you said that. You actually started down the pathway of our next question. And that is, what are some good activities to increase children's, just their hands-on involvement in the garden? Right. So thing I also love about gardening is there's something that someone can do at every single stage. Even if you're like, like my one-year-old, now that she's walking, I could get her out. I could give her some things to move from one to just play in some water, you know, that kind of thing. The next stage, I could give them busy work, even though they're not really helping me. They could dig, dig some holes. They could move some dirt. My four-year-old, he waters. I got him a watering can. He can, he can carry. So he waters. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he drowns things. Sometimes he doesn't water things enough, but you know, he's mm-hmm. doing it. I can have them harvest, pick vegetables, move rocks, dig holes. And then you can even use this as a way to gain some responsibility because you can promote them to the next skill, the mm-hmm. next equipment, the next tool once they start gaining and learning these skills and mastering. So a 12-year-old could be garden maintenance. You know, you could have them responsible for the whole garden or something like that. Another way you could have them involved is to give them a garden bed of their own or a garden space, a pot where they pick their their seeds, pick their plant from the store, and mm-hmm. they're responsible for nurturing and watering and mm-hmm. taking care of it. And it helps them problem solve and troubleshoot and all those kinds of things. I love that idea because again, you're segueing into all my questions that I have, but Mm -hmm. I want children to feel the ownership over something that they've done with their hands. I think there's something to be said about building with your hands, getting your hands dirty and really creating something that you get to eat that's sustaining you. It's all very, very cool. The cycle of it all, but what are some other ways to encourage that ownership over what we're doing? So I think that it also helps with, you know, maintaining like good, good eating habits when they see something being grown from start to finish. Yeah. Now, luckily, I don't have my kids are pretty much eat anything. But I, even with picky eaters, if you can really hone in to something they love, like strawberries or something that you know that they'll eat, if you can incorporate that into that, that mm-hmm. might open their eyes to some other things. You can kind of just being in the garden, eating outside with some things is even another way to open up their eyes to try new things because it's not at the dinner table on their plate mm-hmm. environment. So I think that's really important as well. And it's really just not taking it so seriously because 
we kind of balance the wanting to be self-sufficient and that stuff will come, especially if you're Mm -hmm. just starting. But when you're first starting out, just experimenting and trying and knowing that you may, your zucchini plant might rot or might die, but that's something you do better next time. Then you're able to let your kids be involved more Mm -hmm. thoroughly when you're Mm -hmm. not worried about success. Yeah. Have you heard of Headbands of Hope? Let me tell you a little bit about them. Headbands of Hope was inspired by a summer internship at a wish-granting organization for kids with life-threatening illnesses by founder Jess Ekstrom. After Jess's internship, she felt a spark to do something to help the children feel more confident and beautiful while going through such a tough time. Their mission is simple. For every item sold, a headband is donated to a child with an illness. They've donated to every children's hospital in America and 19 countries, and they're less than 100K away from donating a million headbands. And not only do they carry headbands, but they carry scrunchies, headscarves, adjustable headbands, knotted headbands, and tube turbans. Plus, when you make a purchase, Headbands of Hope sends you a donation confirmation to show you where your donation went. Follow the link in the show notes to easily find Headbands of Hope and use code MINIMALISTMOMS for 20% off. It's a headband you'll love for a cause you'll love even more. Raising kids who value experiences over stuff requires an investment. I'm talking about an investment into your kids' imaginations, empowering them to expand their horizons anytime, anyplace. Go Kid Go is the audio imagination company for kids. It's created by an Emmy award-winning team. Go Kid Go's newest production, Bobby Wonder, is about a boy with superpowers. Voiced by Danny Pudi, Bobby Wonder will immerse your kids in brain-building adventures each week. Expand your kids' minds without spending money and without any screens. Visit GoKidGo.com or find Bobby Wonder wherever you get your podcasts. My friend's son is... For a lot of my listeners, I feel like they're on a journey to simplify their lives, but they don't want to sacrifice style, which I completely understand. And that's why I was excited to partner with HomeThreads. HomeThreads is the perfect blend of minimalism and comfort for your home. At HomeThreads.com, you can discover a curated collection of sleek and functional furniture that speaks to the heart of minimalist living, from multifunctional storage to timeless design. They have everything you need to create a clutter-free and serene space for your family. As most of you know, we've recently moved, and I'm not someone to just fill up a room so that it's done and decorated. I wanted to do this with intention, and so I searched out accent chairs on home threads and found the perfect mid-century modern chair that really complements my space. So embrace the beauty of less and elevate your home with purposeful pieces. Visit homethreads.com minimalist and get a code for 15% off your first order. Home Threads, love where you live. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity. And I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovis. Their western boots for men and women are handmade. Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico? And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west. 
I think he was very picky and then they created these amazing gardens and they have a smaller backyard, but they have so many different beds. I feel like their backyard is honestly just flower beds of all different types of vegetables and flowers. But anyways, all that to say, cultivating that garden has helped him be so much less picky. He's willing to have different herbs on his foods, pull carrots out, and he eats them straight from the garden. And I think that there is something to be said about getting outside of the dinner table environment where it feels like maybe there's more pressure and it's just like, Hey, if I don't like this out here, then I can go on to this or I can right. grow something else. Yeah. You're making me wish that I would have planted in the spring. <laughs> I'm wondering if there's anything That's that too, I can still plant too late. Out. Yeah. I just planted some more radishes. They grow in like a month. If that, I just put in more beets. There's a lot of things you can plant now and mm-hmm. harvest because they're more cold hardy. So they might like take longer to grow, but then they'll be harvested. And if you went to the nursery, you can still get tomato plants. They're already pretty well established. You can plant those. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, like I said, my peppers aren't doing well this year. I'm, I keep thinking I need to go to the store. Not too late to do any of that. So these are just two random questions that I have for you. And my first one is, what is your favorite thing to plant? My favorite thing to plant, we tend to just keep like adding and adding and adding. This mm-hmm. year though, we are really excited about our strawberry patch because mm-hmm. We planted that last year and strawberries usually take a, a year to produce. So last mm-hmm. year we planted, I think we only planted like six plants. And now we have a whole two by five area that's strawberries and they just started turning red just earlier this week. So mm-hmm. we are really excited about those. You know, the boys are picking them and eating them and they just think that's mm-hmm. so cool to be able to pull right off the plant to eat. And now I'm freezing yeah. them for making all kinds of preserves and stuff like that. So we're pretty excited about that this year. I really love to plant zucchini and squash. They just tend to do really good for us. I just love uh, having a whole variety of herbs. And herbs can be pricey at the store. So I feel like it's honestly such a great money saver if you can plant a variety of herbs in your backyard and just go pluck out what you need for pasta or salads. Absolutely. And drying them is so easy. And then Mm -hmm. so if you don't have to buy the dried herbs, you know, from Mm -hmm. the store, like you're saving Mm -hmm. yourself not only a lot of money, it's really not hard to do. So for me that doesn't have the green thumb, and I'm sure other listeners feel the same way, but what is something that is pretty easy to grow and doesn't maybe need a lot of TLC? I guess everything probably needs TLC, but. Definitely things need watering. Um, But as far as other maintenance for me, I think, like I said, zucchini and squash plop Mm -hmm. them in the ground. In fact, I've tried them in containers. They never worked for me, but in the ground in some random spot in the ground, they've worked and they are pretty prolific. So they are producing for several months. And then mint, if you want to do something, do mint, you can't kill mint. In fact, don't put mint in the ground because it will take over your whole garden. There's lots of ways you can actually preserve mint, you can freeze it, you can put it in ice cubes, you know, for later. Watermelons have are really actually pretty easy. They take a lot of space, though. But I would say start with some if you're really just trying to do something, I would start Mm -hmm. with some of your favorite herbs. Mm -hmm. And then I would start with a squash plant if you feel like squash. I didn't prompt you for this question, but why do you think this topic is on the Minimalist Moms podcast? Why is this simplifying our lives? And I know why I chose to have you on, but what is your answer? So I think it's kind of funny because when you just look at it, it's, you know, we have all this convenience. So it's actually not simplifying in those terms, Mm -hmm. but I think that it's becoming more intentional. You're, you're choosing to put your intentional efforts towards a certain things with gardening. You're becoming more intentional and more purposeful just Mm -hmm. naturally. It helps with instant gratification. It's not something that's going to happen right away. And you do have to be patient and you do have to tend to it. And it's like a muscle that you build and it's 
a habit that you're, you're developing. And so that's why I, I love gardening for that reason. And it seems like it, it, it does, it helps you slow down and mm-hmm. our world is so fast paced. And my friend that I mentioned earlier, she just says how good being in her garden is for her soul. She takes yeah. it to a really deep level and it's, and I can see that when I've spent time with her in her garden mm-hmm. and how excited she is to let us eat from her garden. It's just everything that you said, I agree with. And then that was, I guess my little two cents. Well, where can listeners find you and your blog and just more about what you're doing with your homesteading? Sure. So I have my blog. It's called Winging It on the Homestead. And you can check out all my blog posts there. I also launched a podcast. It's called Simple Living Made Simple. So I've mm-hmm. been covering all kinds of alternative to commercial, you know, store things. And if you're interested in starting a garden, it's not too late. And I have a free garden guide to get you started from, from start to finish. All right, Stephanie, these are the two questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is, what is something that you're simplifying right now? AKA, what is your minimalist moment of the week? So right now I kind of do things seasonally, so I don't mm-hmm. get overwhelmed. Right. So right now we're in the the gardening season, as we talked about, we're also getting into food preservation season. And that is kind of crazy when I start pulling out my canning jars and my lids and my rings and all my equipment. So that is something that I'm really focusing on. Um, not only do I need all of this stuff, do I need, I don't know how many jars I have, but how do I store them? Because jars are bulky rings. So that's something I'm really focusing on. So like I said, I like to do things a little seasonally. Otherwise Mm -hmm. doing this kind of thing in December, you know, doesn't make sense to me. So are you talking about you preserve different like pickled vegetables and jams? Where do you store all that? So we do have like, like a baker's rack set up um, in our basement, which is fine when there's food in them. But then when we have all these empty jars and then keeping used, used lids versus not used lids, okay, um, that kind yeah. of stuff. And just keeping it nice and organized. I have a bazillion rings. So I, do I need all of them? That's something that I have a hard time. All right. My last question is what is something that you can't stop talking about? So if you, if you asked anyone that knew me, they probably would say that I can't stop talking about the chickens that we just got this year. Ah. So we've been trying to dive into doing chickens and so we have eight chickens and wow about it. Yeah. We have our chicken coop. So that's something that we've, I probably don't shut up about is our chickens and, and how fun they are and how the kids are really enjoying them. I'm sure I read a book once it was called once upon a flock and it's, semi-graphic novel but also this woman's memoir with her chickens and Mm. it made me cry it made me laugh it was great but I would love to have chickens I'm pretty sure you can't have them where I'm at in Columbus but that is honestly a dream (laughs) I want to honestly just go off the grid that's how I feel at this point but I I love that you have the space to do that it sounds so fun yeah you might be surprised I mean I don't know but even like four or five chickens you may be be allowed to no rooster you might might be I feel like maybe I'd start with two or one but (laughs) that one would be he'd be a lonely or she'd be lonely I think they like a flock so you need like yeah you know I'd look into it you might be surprised (laughs) well Stephanie thank you so much for joining me today I love this topic and I hope that this is helpful for listeners so thanks for your time no thank you so much for having me what did you think of the episode do you garden with your children or is this something you prefer to do solo And honestly, if you have any other tips, send me a DM or an email. I really can use all the help that I can get. I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com. And there you'll find the links to the Instagram account, the Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.